Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another bonus audio edition of Game and Word. Here with me today, I have Jared Hansen, a PhD candidate at the University of Oregon and author of The Symbolism of Majora's Mask, one of the sources for our recent two-parter on Majora's Mask. Thank you, Jared, for joining me today. Yeah, no problem. Anything you want to tell my listeners that I haven't covered? I'm, like you said, I'm a PhD candidate. I've been writing my dissertation on video games. And yeah, I've got two Zelda books out. You mentioned one of them. The other one is on The Wind Waker. And I'm excited to, to join you on this podcast to talk about it. Great. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Tell us a bit about your dissertation. What are you writing it on? I'm really fascinated with video game nostalgia and all of its forms. And so I'm actually studying a um, community of players who are playing an older video game, Star Wars Galaxies, and just analyzing why they're keeping this RPG running. Since the official servers shut down in like 2011, they've been hosting their own private server since then because they don't want this experience to die. And it's just been really fascinating to be with these players in a game that's very dated as far as graphics go. It's still fun and they love it. Um, how did you come to start studying video games in an academic setting? In my master's program. I was trying really hard to find a topic and it was actually Zelda that got me inspired because I was reading some academic literature on, on other things and tried to find what's been written about Zelda, which is one of my favorite series in video games and found out no one was really writing about it. I was like, hey, I can make my stamp. I can fill this hole. And so that's what I started my master's thesis on Zelda. And then now my dissertation is a different topic, but still studying video games. So about your books, as we just mentioned, you have two out so far, one on Majora's Mask and one on The Wind Waker. What made you choose those two games in particular? These games, along with Ocarina of Time, they represent my peak involvement, I guess you could say, in Zelda. That's when I was a kid growing up with them, and, and those are the three games that really resonated with me during that formative time. I think a lot of people, that's how Zelda is for them. Their favorite game is the game that they played the most as a kid. And what really resonated with you? As a kid, I think it was the action-adventure genre because it's very engaging. It involves some skill, but it's still skill that you can master even at that age as opposed to something like a racing game. It takes a lot more hand-eye coordination or like RPGs sometimes aren't quite as interactive. And so I really loved these games for that sense of adventure and at the same time, like that sense of accomplishment. When you complete a dungeon, it's fun. And reward. Yeah, absolutely. And how about in terms of narrative or themes? There's a joke about the Zelda formula as far as games go, but it also applies to their storyline. Eventually, the series is almost like a fairy tale that just keeps getting repeated over the generations. But for me, it's almost comforting to know that at the end of the day, there's going to be a princess Zelda, there's going to be a hero Link, and there's going to be a villain Ganon or Ganondorf. And while, yeah, I wouldn't mind if they swap out some villains occasionally, you know, that's fine too. But just as long as we have some recurring myths, tales, and, and stories that you can rely on and, and come back to. Yeah, that does make Majora's Mask an interesting case because it's just so different than any of the other Zelda games in so many ways. It's even up there with Breath of the Wild, just as far as how different it is while still being recognizably Zelda. I'm curious to know your thoughts as to your first time playing it and how your reaction to it was. Yeah, it had a lot of hype when I 
I was a kid just because the three-day mechanic was so revolutionary. I know there are a lot of people and myself included. I was like, how can you finish a game in three days? It just didn't make any sense. But obviously playing it, it's, oh, it's just a matter of rewinding time over and over. And so that mechanic weaves itself into the narrative and it's just fun. I guess at a subconscious level, it's similar to playing any video game, really. The whole concept of video game lives, of game overs, just this idea of, okay, let's restart, let's reset, let's wind things back and try it again a second time. And that's something that you find in all kinds of video games. I think it's a universal experience that we all enjoy and love. And the George Mask, on the other hand, just puts it at the forefront and reminds you like, hey, you have this ticking clock and... If you don't get everything done, then it's going to be undone. That was a little frustrating, but also rewarding as a kid. And even now, it's fun knowing that throughout the game, my back is up against the wall, I guess you can say. And of course, mechanically, it's very different. And in a way that really, really holds up remarkably well, uh, I would add. And then also thematically very different too, much darker and somber Mm-hmm. and kind of mature in a way. What do you think are the main themes that Majora's Mask explores? I know a lot of people talk about how it's an exploration of grief, and I definitely feel that way, but I also feel like it's just an examination of the human condition in a lot of ways. It just brings that to the forefront of how you have all these different characters that you meet who are suffering in different ways, But at the same time, Link is too. He's trapped in Termina and he's trying so hard to get out and save the day. He doesn't want to be here. He wants to find Hyrule again. And so I think thematically, it really touches on a lot of mature themes, like you said, of loss and sorrow. And the atmosphere just hangs there and feels so, like you said, somber. Yeah. Another different thing about Majora's Mask was how they took the whole concept of wearing masks and made it so central to the game thematically. So as someone who studies symbolism, trying to get at deeper meanings behind what we see on the screen, what do you make of the game's spotlighting of masks particularly? Yeah, I think from a gameplay mechanic, it's great and it's almost like a collectible. Each one has their own unique ability. You want to go out and find them so you can power up and level up. But also from a thematic point of view and the symbolism behind it, playing pretend, it's a common form of play. And so when we wear masks, it's a chance to explore a different personality or a different experience and to pretend and imagine a different reality. And so whether it's the person wearing the mask or the people observing you wearing a mask, they also have to pretend that, oh, they are not what they appear. They are this mask. And so I think a lot of the symbolism comes out when you think about what are some masks that we may wear, invisible ones, masks to hide our pain or things like that. And I wonder as well if there's some kind of uh, deeper symbolic meaning of just the fact that masks feature so prominently in, in the lore of Terminum and how they have this entire festival, right, where people wear masks and party and the fact that masks feature so prominently in wedding rituals, for example. This is a world in which masks are very central. What does that say about the world and the culture of the people within it? Yeah, if we're to try and draw parallels between the culture of Termina and ours, our culture relegates masks to events such as Halloween or Mardi Gras, these sorts of experiences of adventure, play, those sorts of things, whereas in Termina, 
yes, they have their mask festival, which could be akin to Halloween for us. But at the same time, like you said, they also wear masks in weddings and, and other things. And so it's interesting to think about how, to them, masks can also be symbolic of other rituals, other practices of how we transcend from ourselves and do something different and better. And then as far as, as individual masks are concerned, but I know this is a, a tough question, top three, it's fine. Which of the masks more personally resonated with you? Gosh, that's a hard question. I know it shouldn't be, but it is. I definitely loved the bunny hood just for the experience. It's really fun to go really fast and jump really high. The couple's mask, just because oh. that's, I guess you could say the peak of the game, you have to go through all of these different experiences perfectly coordinated so that you can eventually finish that storyline and receive that reward. And so that's a lot of fun. And I guess my third mask, I might just have to say the Zora's mask because it's fun to transform into that animal, but also the powers that you receive and the fact that when you play your instrument, it's Fitch skeleton guitar. That's pretty awesome. Totally. The Zora mask is definitely up there for me. Besides that, I would say... The, the Garrow mask and the old night mask too. There's something so strangely delightfully creepy about it. Yeah. Sorry. Why am I forgetting the name of it? The, the cow mask so that you can enter the milk bar. That is yeah, just Ro Romani's mask. That is just so peak Zelda to me. Let's make an adult joke about alcohol and bars, but we'll make it kid friendly and that. Uh, you, you can't go and drink your milk unless you're older. That's just so hilarious to me. <laughs> totally. That's a hard question because it's so personal, so subjective. But if any of our listeners been reading these articles, listens to this podcast and thinks, oh, you know, I really should get around to playing a Zelda game. Where would you recommend they start? Personally, I would pick whatever Zelda game is most accessible to you. If you can go out to the store and buy a Zelda game on the shelf, play that. If you have a friend who loves their copy of A Link to the Past, play that. Just because I feel like you'll have a good experience regardless. Obviously, if you play Breath of the Wild, it's a completely different game. And so it, I think it would be hard for someone to enjoy that open world exploration and then all of a sudden have to play through the water dungeon or something. That might be a bit of a shock, but at the same time, I feel like the series as a whole is really fun and really great and I would just play whatever you can. Good answer. Let's say if another of our listeners says, oh, it's really cool. I never really thought about these things while playing these games before. I want to start thinking of games a little differently and going a little bit deeper. What would you recommend for them as far as adjusting your thinking or your, your mindset to get in that kind of mental framework easier? Yeah, if you're going to try and think of games critically or academically, I would just say experience it, but also take a break from it after you've play through this boss, set the controller down and think about what just happened and, and think about, okay, what does the story mean? And why did the designers decide to play this kind of music? Or just ask questions about not only your experience, but also a general experience. Me playing a sad dad game like God of War or The Last of Us, that story would impact me differently than someone else. And so it, it's cool to, to think about, okay, why does this story make me cry? And then also think about what were they trying to tell? Because those can be two very different things. And then what advice would you have for any budding game scholars out there? One bit of advice I would give is to immerse yourself in other forms of media too. So something that I really enjoyed with my Zelda books was making comparisons between the game and say prominent works of literature, like the Wind Waker, comparing it to the Odyssey 
or comparing Majora's Mask to Dante's Inferno. That's one thing I would suggest. But on the other hand, it doesn't have to be literature versus video games. It could be video game A versus video game B. When you make comparisons like that and say Minecraft does things this way versus Roblox does things that way, that's an easy way to start thinking critically of, okay, why might they do things this way and why they do things that way and think more critically about what these games are doing to us and why that matters. And as far as you personally, where could people find you or get in touch with you? I am on Twitter if people really want to talk to me. I also have a blog that I haven't updated in three years, but if you really want to look for it, you can. Hyrule University. So if anyone wants to chat about video games, shoot me a DM or message me on Twitter and I'd love to talk. Wonderful. Thank you, listeners, for listening today. Remember to subscribe if you haven't already. It's at gameandword.substack.com. And yeah, ladies, gentlemen, non-binary folks, everyone and anyone in between, Jared Hansen, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me.